Modern life is crazy busy. Power your midlife energy with all-natural Bossa Bars Menopause Energy Bars. Delicious, keto, and intermittent fasting-friendly. These bars help women manage weight and energy during all stages of the pause. Try them at bossabars.com. That's B-O-S-S-A bars.com and save 10% with code KD10. Welcome to A Certain Age, a show for women who are unafraid to age out loud. Want to hear some mind-blowing stats? 75 million women are in perimenopause, menopause, or post-menopause in the U.S., with 6,000 more reaching menopause every day. Add in the rest of the globe, and we are talking about a tsunami of hot flashes. Yet the cultural conversation around menopause is still lacking, often portrayed as a comedic punchline, and shockingly, many doctors have very little menopause training with which to guide and counsel women. My guest today is on a mission to change all that. Donna Klassen is a co-founder and CEO of the menopause advocacy nonprofit, Let's Talk Menopause. A licensed clinical social worker with more than 30 years of experience in women's health and mental health counseling, Donna's personal experience with the challenges of menopause and the lack of medical guidance she experienced put her into action to change the conversation around menopause so women get the information they need and the health care they deserve. Welcome, Donna. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, I'm excited. The show is going to be airing during uh, October, which is, you know, uh, National Menopause Month. Uh, Menopause and perimenopause deserve way more than a month since it goes on, you know, for many people for years. Uh, I know that Let's Talk Menopause and your founding of this group is rooted in a personal experience. Can we open by having you you share your story? Sure. Uh, when I was 52, so about three or four years ago, I was diagnosed with estrogen-positive breast cancer, and I was already having perimenopausal symptoms. I was having symptoms of irritability and joint pain, um, but I was still getting my period regularly. Um, when I was going for testing for my mastectomy, they found two large cysts on my ovaries, and they were worrisome, so they took them out, and I went into surgical menopause. And then after all of my treatments, uh, um, part of the treatment is also going on something called an astrozole, which is a basically blocks all of your estrogen. So basically my estrogen went down very rapidly in about a three or four month period of time. And then I was drowning in symptoms. Um, and I was actually working for a basically a hospital-based partial hospital program for pregnant and postpartum women experiencing depression and anxiety. And I started having lots of forgetfulness, tearfulness, I was starving, uh, which was a very difficult symptom. I had difficulty word finding, I was fatigued, and I was incredibly irritable. And when I went for some of my hospital visits or post-hospital visits, you know, the doctors were basically like, okay, that's it. Like, we're, you're done. And no one sort of told me what was going to happen, especially around surgical men menopause. And I was lucky enough to be able to advocate for myself and have access to resources and act, knowing that this wasn't, I was not myself. And so I was able to get treatment and I was able to get the support that I needed, but also knowing that my situation, you know, I'm, I'm not alone in this um, and that women need 
better access to resources, they need better education prior to experiencing symptoms, and they need to know what to expect. Just like you know what to expect before your period or before pregnancy, you need to know what to expect before menopause. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, uh, I'm so sorry to hear about that. Um, must have been a very challenging situation to have this, you know, to be, you know, struggling uh, with the the health effects of a of a very scary, you know, cancer diagnosis and treatment, and then to be upended by having this sort of uh, wave of symptoms that that surrounded you, and you, you were fortunate that you were able to advocate for yourself and get the help that you needed, and the rest of us are benefiting because you have created an organization that is working to make sure that women understand the different symptoms of menopause, the long-term you know, effects of menopause, and, and mental health. Um, you know, we cover a lot of the irksome symptoms of menopause on this show. I've had um, gynecologists, you know, come on to talk about things like dry vagina and, and you know, painful sex and uh, night sweats and hot flashes. Some of these, these um, symptoms that really come on uh, and, and catch women by surprise when they occur. And some of them go away. Uh, like night sweats and hot flashes eventually abate. Things like dry vagina, uh, you know, goes on forever. There are long-term health risks. I would love if you could do a little stage setting for our audience and talk about some of the long-term health risks that menopause brings, because I think that is is somewhat surprising to women, that it's not just a hot flash, that there right. are things they need to pay attention to for the rest of their lives. Yes. Yes. And we're actually starting to call it a window of opportunity, like a reset for your health in midlife. Um, you know, women are often focused on so many other people. Um, right. and we're often sandwiched sure. in between, taking care of our children if we have children, taking care of our parents if we have parents that are older, but we don't necessarily look at ourselves. And so this is actually a very good time, though, to look at our own health. The long-term health effects from menopause and midlife, osteoporosis, so bone health, your heart, so one of two women die of heart disease, of heart attacks, um, and other heart-related illnesses. Um, and your brain is a third. Um, and you know the cognitive issues, Alzheimer's. Two out of three women are actually are diagnosed with Alzheimer's. Um, so out of every three, one is a man and two are women. Those are and not. We we don't like those. We don't like those stats. Not like that. We do not like that. When you say um, window, fact, when you say window of opportunity, is there is that like a in terms of a time? Like, do we need to be in action during a particular time of menopause to work uh, against some of these long term healths? Does the window close? What do you mean in terms of timing? Um, I would say that really the timing for is different for everyone. But I would say that in your forties mid-40s, late-40s, that's a time to really go to a doctor and talk to them about menopause and what to expect. Go to a, a, a provider that is experienced with menopause. There are NAM-certified, North American Menopause Society-certified providers that you can find to make sure that that provider knows about menopause. And there is a bit of a window in terms of, like for bone loss, for example, you lose a lot of your bone loss in those first three years after your last period. So we know menopause is 
um, defined as one year after your last period. So during those few years is when you're when you have the most bone loss. Yeah, so it's really critical to get in action. One of the things I've noticed about spending time on your website, letstalkmenopause.org, is that you have a symptoms checklist that mm-hmm. you can print off, you can check your systems, and you can take this to your healthcare provider, which I think is such a useful tool because, you know, we we often get to the doctor and we forget to to, to check every box and, and, and raise every concern with them. So I love that you've made it easy. It's fantastic. And your website has a lot of great uh, information on each one of these areas that we sort of talked about. Some of the physical symptoms, heart health, osteoporosis, mental health. And I have been recording this podcast for two years. I've talked to a number of medical experts. I feel like I've learned a lot more, but I am still surprised by some of the information that I learned on your website. You know, I think many of my listeners probably know that heart disease is the number one cause of death for women in America. But I was surprised to learn that when you go into menopause at a younger age, like at 45 years or younger, like yeah. like you did maybe when you go into surgical menopause, if you're somebody who, who's had a surgery that, that sort of put you into that surgical menopause, you have more cardiovascular health issues later in life than for women whose menopause begins closer to 51. What else do we need to be paying attention to in terms of heart health and menopause? Well, I think that that's exactly right. I think that um, you know, people, women who reach go into premature ovarian insufficiency or um, earlier menopause need to really see somebody. And now the recommendations from the North American Menopause Society is all of those women should go on hormone therapy until, at least until they reach the age of 51, 52. And I don't think that people know that. Okay, that's important. Yeah, it is very, very, they actually, NAMS just came out with new guidelines around that. And I think in terms of heart disease, I think it's a matter of going to a cardiologist and getting checked. Yep. I don't think that we do that so much. Like we're, again, we are so used to taking care of other people and having, and, and making doctor's appointments for others that we don't necessarily do it for ourselves. And when I was talking before about the reset, I think that is a time where we can do things like exercise more, find an exercise that you like. Right. It doesn't have, I know everyone gets, you know, talks about like having to go exercise, but find something that works for you. Um, and to, and also go through your family history, because I think that's also really important. Where who, who had osteoporosis, who had heart disease, um, and to sort of look at those risk factors and try to figure out, you know, what, what lifestyle changes you can make, what medications you can take, what, what can you do to sort of offset some of those things. And then I also kind of want to get back to the long-term health risks around the GSM symptoms. So GSM is the genitourinary syndrome of menopause. Those are all the urinary and um, vaginal issues in menopause. And we actually include that as a long-term health risk because unlike some of the other symptoms that may dissipate after when you're post-menopause, like hot flashes last you know somewhere between seven to 10 years, although some people have it longer, but the GSM symptoms without treatment never get better. In fact, they get chronically worse. Yes, I, I definitely want to explore that. We're heading into a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to be talking about GSM symptoms. Rosebud Woman crafts beautiful, organic, sexual wellness and intimate self-care products to support women in midlife. Their Honor Everyday Balm is a magical vulvar and vaginal moisturizer with Basa Bolo to build back skin resilience. I use it and absolutely love it. Arouse, the only three-in-one stimulating serum available on the market, enhances sensation in a woman's own lubrication. 
Rosebud Women also offers award-winning body care products crafted to address the top needs of women of a certain age. I use the Anoint Oil on both my face and body daily. It is silky, smooth, and deeply hydrating. Join Rosebud Women in a lifestyle of deep self-reverence. A certain age listeners who use the code KATIE10 at checkout receive 10% off their purchase. That's K-A-T-I-E-1-0. Head to rosewoman.com for beautiful sexual wellness and intimate care essentials. Donna, we're back from our break. You were sharing about GSM and this sort of ongoing symptoms that um, can really impact women's health throughout their lifetime. I actually was in a networking event with a bunch of women at one point. We were talking about menopause symptoms, and one woman said, well, you know, I've already gone through menopause, and hot flashes are over for me, so I'm fine. And all I could think was, you're vagina is going to be dry forever. I have had so many conversations on this show about the loss of, you know, estrogen, the impact that it has on your vaginal lining, which impacts things like, you know, painful sex and and, and, and intimacy issues. But it also adds up to things like a greater risk of urinary tract infections and potential like fissures in your vaginal walls, which can cause infection. And cause hospitalization. And I I think that not enough women understand that. I hope the listeners on this show have really learned that that's something that they need to be paying attention to, that you can be using things like hormone replacement therapy or perhaps non-estrogen, you know, vaginal creams if you don't want to use something with, you know, with with estrogen. There, There are options that are out there and you really need to talk about it with your healthcare provider. What is yeah. it that you want women to know about GSM and how to treat it and, and what they should be paying attention to? Well, I think I, I think you just said it, but basically that it it doesn't get better, it only gets worse, right? Or it can only get worse. I don't want to scare people. Um, but that estrogen is needed for, it provides moisture, right? And it provides liquid, it provides the thickness of the vaginal wall, which is why we get more UTIs as we get older. I can't tell you how many people I, I, I say to them, I said, you know, how many women do you know over the age of 50 who have UTIs? And they're like, oh my gosh, everybody, right? And UTIs are deadly. They can, and 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 they are they affect quality of life. They can affect your memory. They can affect so many different things. We, we do not need more things affecting our memory. Let me just, <laughs> let me just say that. Okay. <laughs> Um, so I would say that there are treatments and that you just don't have to suffer. We did a menopause talk, um, this past week with two fantastic doctors from Mayo Clinic, and we went over the new NAMS guidelines. Um, and so NAMS is, again, is the North American Menopause Society, and they make recommendations to providers. And not enough people actually have access to the information that they're sending out. And one of the things that they said is that vaginal estrogen, so that's localized estrogen, is the treatment that works for for GSM, these vaginal and urinary. That's symptoms. great to know. That's great to know because I've been using that, and I'm I'm delighted to know that it's that's uh, it, that it works. Mm-hmm. It works, and that it's safe. And so, unfortunately, there is a black box warning on vaginal estrogen when there shouldn't be. Um, so that is because. They sort of um, looped it together with with hormone replacement therapy, and so there's no distinguishing 
um, features to it. I guess not features, but like there's no, they, there's nothing distinguishing it. So there's still a black box warning when there shouldn't be. So what the doctor said yesterday was to disregard that, that vaginal estrogen is a local estrogen and it doesn't affect, it doesn't have the, some of the same health risks that maybe systemic hormone replacement therapy does. Um, so it's that a great way of, get, of getting right. educated, honestly, is to follow your Instagram, to spend time on the letstalkmenopause.org website, because you are sharing um, information that we're not finding elsewhere. I mean, I personally am not following NAMS, although maybe now I feel like I should be. But I, you know, I can simply follow you instead because you are right. giving us <laughs> updates about the the, the different um, findings, about the, you know the different ways that we can be managing and navigating these symptoms the latest um, science behind recommendations. And it allows us as women to be a more educated consumer. I mean, I think everyone who's listening to the show has like deeply researched a pair of black jeans, you know, or we've like really looked into a pair of shoes we want to buy. And we need to be doing the same kind of self-education about the questions that we're going to our healthcare providers with, right? The smart, the more you know, the more you know. That's right. And that's actually how we're going to impact change. Because if we go, if everyone goes to their healthcare provider and says, what do you know about menopause? How can you help me with these symptoms? Then they're going to actually be bound to find out more information. So that's actually how we can impact change. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. So I want to switch gears for a minute because I know that a big part of your uh, work and advocacy is around mental health and menopause. And you look at that in sort of two different areas. You're looking at how menopause affects our overall mental well-being because um, you, we outline some of the challenges at the top of the show, that there's there's depression, there's anxiety, there's some brain fog. There are, there are physical body changes, which also impact how we feel about ourselves mentally. And you also look at menopause in the workplace, right? Because menopause um, is occurring during a woman's professional prime. I would love to talk a little bit about the, the mental component of menopause, because I think it's a really big one. Let's, let's talk a little bit about the roller coaster of hormones in our mental health. What is yep. it that you're seeing? What is the the advice that you give women who might be struggling with the mental challenges of menopause? Um, great question. So, and I, I kind of want to take a step back because I think it is really important when you talk about the different symptoms that there's overlap and causation, right? So like uh, difficulty sleeping, which is maybe a physical symptom of menopause can affect your mood, right? Um, yes, totally. And- and, and so they, there's a lot of overlap, and we actually have this puzzle on our website that, that, that shows it. The other piece is that what we do know is that there are a few windows of vulnerability in a woman's life around these intense hormonal fluctuations. The first one being the onset of your period, think adolescence, yes. <laughs> and also the last week or two before your period, so the luteal phase of your period. And that's also when there's a lot of fluctuation in hormones. So your hormones are kind of bouncing up and down. Um, Think of like a mountain, like it's going up and down, right, really fast. And so the second window of vulnerability is during pregnancy and postpartum. So we've heard a lot in the last 10 years or so about postpartum depression and anxiety. And that is also caused by these intense fluctuations in hormones. And so women during that period of time report anxiety and depression like they've never experienced before, even if they do have a history of depression and anxiety. Now what we know is that perimenopause, so that's the four to 10 years prior to your last period, can also bring on these fluctuations 
in mood and these mental health symptoms. And that's because not only are you still getting your period, right, where there's hormone fluctuations, but then perimenopause is also causing these fluctuations. So it's sort of like one thing on top of another. So people don't know that it's not just menopause, which is that one day, one year after, it's the four to 10 years prior. And what we find during perimenopause is that the symptom of irritability and quick being quick to anger is number one. Okay. This makes me actually feel better because long-term listeners of the show know that I have shared about my bouts of toxic rage that I went through a few years ago. And I was like, is it politics? Is it the pandemic? Is it like, what is it? But I had volcanic fury and I was like, what is going on? And I realized like that was my hot flash. I just had mountainous fury and um, I feel better now knowing <laughs> some of the, some okay. of that's abated. You know, I, I, actually, I, 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 I will say that I took steps I learned on this show. I practiced better sleep hygiene. I've done a number of episodes on on getting good sleep. I um, made lifestyle choices and changes that impacted, um, you know, my sleep and my mood. Um, but, it, it, you know, it was it was frightening. And I when I share that I experienced toxic rage on this show, people reached out to me to say, hey, me too. And I think that's like a big part of what you're doing so well is having a conversation that makes women feel less alone. Yes. And that actually helps people feel better. So so that's exactly you're exactly right. So like knowing that you're not alone and not being so hard on yourself around it, right, makes it better. Now, that being said, like, no one wants to condone being really mean to somebody else, yes. right? But, or weeping, because I had that too, you know, that, that like, right. feeling of, like, you know, like, your eyes well up. And I just felt like I, I wanted to just break down weeping around things that, that wouldn't normally have triggered me yes. when I, you know, a few years earlier. Yes. And that is during, that's why we say it's during perimenopause that that is when, when that happens. And so again, knowing that something is a symptom is actually part of the treatment. I love that. Yes. It makes total sense. Right. So it's sort of like, I'm having a symptom of menopause. I'm, I'm, I'm having a symptom of irritability versus, oh my God, I'm such a yeah, you know what I mean? Like, it's Donna, sort of you like, can say that. Though. This is a we are grown. It's a, it's a podcast, right? It's not a, it's you not can a, say uh, whatever you want. Right. We are grown up. Um, we, we get to we get to choose uh, our own words. Um, yeah. So, like, so instead of saying, I mean, I, I, I as a therapist, I teach people labeling, right? So it's like, and I and I really feel that labeling is one of the most important skills that somebody can have. So, for example, if you're having an anxious thought, I'm having you label it, I'm having an anxious thought that X, right? That this is going to happen. It takes the anxiety outside of yourself a little bit instead of it, your body reacting to it as if it's happening right then and there, right? So the same thing with the symptom of irritability. I'm having a symptom of irritability, right? You saying that to yourself instead of saying like, oh my God, I'm such a bitch, Mm -hmm. right? I'm such a horrible person can really impact how you feel. Yeah, it's power it's so powerful. It's really powerful. And I think it's really important for people to know the symptoms and to be able to label them and get help for them. Absolutely. So, Cuz there's right? so the help is out there. The help is What would you say to a woman who's listening right now who feels like I feel a little bit at the end of my rope. I I'm having those bouts of toxic rage that Katie talked about. I am having irritability. Like I want more control. Labeling is something I can take on for myself, it's, you know, it's easy, free to do. 
what would be a secondary step that you would encourage somebody to take? You know, when should they be working with a therapist, talking to their their mental um, to their medical you know caregiver? Mm-hmm. When should they be asking for more? Well, I think if it's interfering with everyday life, we should talk to their medical provider, uh, nurse practitioner, psychiatrist, therapist. I would encourage people to see a skills-based therapist. And what I mean by that is someone who does cognitive behavioral therapy um, or DBT, dialectical behavioral therapy. So more of a skills-based approach and somebody who understands midlife. The other thing I will say is that small dose antidepressants, and I'm now I'm not a prescriber, um, I'm a therapist, I'm a social worker, but small, low dose antidepressants can help with hot, a lot of the symptoms of perimenopause and menopause. And so I encourage people to talk to their doctor and see if that works for them. Yeah. Because it, great it, advice. it is something that, that, you know, the lack of estrogen, so estrogen helps provide those feel good hormones, the dopamine and the serotonin, and we lose those as we age. And if we think about people who are older, there's a lot of anxiety in people that are older. Think about people who don't change their routine. That's because they're anxious, right? So, so, so I just think like, you know, there's, there's reasons to feel good and try it. Yeah. Try, talk to your provider, try it. It can help with a lot of different symptoms. Like I said, uh, some of the, low, some of the um, antidepressants often also can help with, with hot flashes and some of the other symptoms, including sleep. Yeah, fantastic advice. You know, the help is out there. Explore the different options. You know, look for a menopause practitioner because they 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 do exist. Um, menopause in the workplace is something that you also focus on. I was, you know, again, I know that menopause happens during a woman's sort of professional prime. I've been learning a lot more about the impact it has on our workplaces. Uh, I Electra Health has been a sponsor of the show in the past. They have done a fantastic study on women in work, and they found really, uh, to me, an astonishing number that 20% of women surveyed thought about leaving the workplace due to menopause symptoms. Um, this adds up to like lower productivity, ballooning costs, you know, and 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 an exit from women out of the workplace, which we don't want to see. Right. What you know, you are an advocacy organization. What can and should workplaces be doing to support women during this period of transition? Mm-hmm. So that's a that's a very good question, and I think we're still trying to come up with our own ideas about this because it is a little complicated, sure. right? Um, you know, we don't want another thing that women are, you know, not hired for, <laughs> right? Like, um, oh, I'm not going to hire a midlife woman because she's going to go through menopause, right? Um, so that is something that we want to be mindful of. And, um, you know, I know from my own experience, I mean, it's actually when I did leave the, I left the workforce in a different way. I went back to my private practice and I started Let's Talk Menopause, but it was because I was overwhelmed and I was, cheerful in meetings that I was, you know, I had never been cheerful in a meeting before in my life like that. Um, so I understand how it can impact work. Um, I do think the bottom line though, is if we actually do the changes that we were talking about before, get more doctors, um, trained, get people the healthcare they deserve that we're not going to necessarily need to be talking about this as much in, in, in the workplace, right? If they're going to get the healthcare they deserve, if they're going to get the well-trained, provider, if women are going to know more, they're going to um, take control of their, their healthcare. Um, but I do think doing trainings 
And that's what we're starting to do at Let's Talk Menopause, doing trainings for work to, um, you know, let human resources know what happens to give them the education in the workplace to understand that. I do think there can be something around hot flashes. I know that for myself, I was running group therapy meetings <laughs> um, with women and all of a sudden I would get this hot flash. And, you know, for, for listeners who have had hot flashes, you know what I'm talking about. Um, I don't know if you've ever had a hot flash, Katie, but it, it's like something you've never experienced before when you first start having them. It's like this, you know, this flame that sort of comes up in your body and you start getting, I start getting really red and I start sweating and it kind of envelops me and it lasts for just like, you know, 10, 15 seconds. Um, but when it was first happening, it was just very uncomfortable and I didn't know what to do with it. And so what we do know actually is that labeling it and telling people what's going on at work is helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Right? I, I've actually heard somebody say that. I, I had Tamson Fidel on my podcast. Tamson is a is a TV anchor. She's a menopause advocate. She's really wonderful. I think I I think she actually sits on your board, and she shared that she literally had to like leave a TV broadcast and lay on the floor because she was so overcome with this very powerful hot flash and didn't know about it. And she was saying that really just by she learned that you can say to people, "Oh, I'm having a hot flash," yes. and then move on. And yeah. just, you know, I thought that's so genius. It's it's very like you, you as you said, it's very label. You label it, you simply declare it and you identify it and you move on. And, you know, I think there people are understanding, you know, men, younger men and women, you know, that, that this is something that occurs. And if you just identify it and, you know, treat it as if it's something normal, it probably allows you to recover from it a lot yeah. faster. It does. It certainly does. And I think, I think that's, that's an excellent point. I had met with somebody who's a researcher at Penn State, and she said, I think they're beginning to do some research on this, but these are their preliminary findings are that is it, if you just say it and let it, and just let it go, then people are more like the, the people at work are more likely to be like, oh, okay, no big deal. But if you hide it, then you think like, oh my gosh, what's wrong with her? Because then they're in their head, they're like, is something else going on? Is there, you know, is there more to this? So there is something about just saying it. And look, some people are really embarrassed and that's kind of what we have to break through, right? Like it's okay to say it. And that's, I think what we can do in the workplace is like, it's okay to talk about it. It's okay to say it. I happen to be at a place where I work with all women at the motherhood center. And so I was able to say it. And the person who was my boss was going through menopause at the same time. And so we would stand in front of the fan uh, together. But I do think there is something to it. And this sort of gets to the mental health component too, when you were asking me before about what can women do. So to, to explain what cognitive behavioral therapy is, some of it is about acceptance. So this a little bit CBT and DBT, but if you fight the hot flash, right? You're gonna make it worse. And I was doing that in the beginning. So I'll give you an example. I would have a hot flash, I'd be home, and I would get irritated by the hot flash, right? So I'd be like, oh, I'm, like, I'm having a hot flash. I'm so uncomfortable, I'm so annoyed, right? Like, and I would like kind of make a scene at dinner and my kids were like, oh God, mom, like uh, another hot flash. <laughs> Not again. Like, <laughs> like they were just so annoyed with me. And I was like, you guys don't understand, you know? And I would kind of like, like, like go away and I'd go outside. I would be like, oh. and, but my reaction there wasn't, being, wasn't helpful to me. Right? Because I was like kind of fighting it. I wasn't kind of fighting it. I was fighting it. And because I was annoyed by them. And so once I started just to like be like, all right, I'm having a hot flash. I know it's going to go away. 
Just kind of breathe through it and it'll go. Like kind of like that is CBT. Just by like not getting so irritated and like annoyed by it and kind of saying to myself, like, I know what this is. I'm having a hot flash and it's going to pass. It's, it's so smart. I mean, that I think that technique can be used in so many things. I mean, I use it for uh, fear of public speaking or anxiety, you know, or when I'm worried about something, you know, when you sort of identify it like, oh, yeah, I'm anxious because I really I'm, I'm excited about this opportunity to be on stage and I really want to connect with the audience, you know, to kind of reframing it and just saying yeah. or I'm, you know, I'm up at night. I'm worried about something, but that's because I'm paying attention and I care. Like I've, I've given myself these sort of. These uh, opportunities to reframe things that otherwise feel uncomfortable. And I'm not saying you can always do it because sometimes you're just, you know, afraid or anxious, period. Uh, But you also recognize that it's going to pass because that's the beauty of getting to 53, which is how old I am now. Like, you know, I've done I've seen this movie. I have starred in this anxiety movie. I've starred in this fear movie. I've starred in this toxic rage movie. And the movie always ends, you know. So my latest line to people actually is, of course, you're anxious. Right. <laughs> Why you wouldn't are. you be? Look around, read the paper. <laughs> That's right. But like, but kind of like normalizing it, because again, kind of the fight is what keeps a lot of the symptoms. Yes. It really does. It, that is it, such great fight. advice. I love I, I love that we've had this conversation. I'm also going to encourage any listener, we're, we're heading into our wrap up and our speed round, but I'm going to encourage any listener here who's, who, um, works at an office, an organization, a company, a nonprofit, you know, creative uh, endeavor that has, uh, you know, women who would benefit from, or even male allies who would benefit from learning more about menopause, who would benefit from having menopause education in their work environment, I would encourage you to reach out to Donna, to reach out to letstalkmenopause.org, and and avail yourself of their training services so you can bring this education to your organization and make a difference for both yourself and the, the women that you work with. Um, Donna, we are moving into our speed round. I always close these conversations with this quick uh, kind of high energy uh, close. Uh, it's, it's one to two word answers to complete these sentences and allows us to just learn a little bit more about you and your work before we have to wrap. Are you ready? I am. Okay, let's do this. Let's, uh, launching Let's Talk Menopause was? Hard work. Yes, I believe it. Okay, we've covered some of the downsides to menopause. What's an upside? You feel much more, you feel freer and more empowered. Yes. I hate no, I like it. I like it. Plus, like, you don't have to buy tampons anymore. That's my upside. That's right. Yes, that, that is true. Menopause thought leader we should have on our radar. You already have Tamsin Fidel. I love her. Um, Omosade? Omosade? Omi? Yes. Uh, Omi Bernie Scott? Scott. She's wonderful. Mm-hmm. She was a guest as well. I'll put both Tamsin and Omi's episodes into the show notes. So if you've missed those, please tune in. These women are incredible. What's a lifestyle hack or tip for irksome symptoms we should all know about? And this is hard because there's so many symptoms, but what's one thing that you that you think people should should have on their radar? I think what we talked about, labeling. Labeling. That's a good one. Labeling. And I would also say um, maybe fans for when you're I, – I, I'm going to throw in blue light uh, blocking glasses 
um, for bedtime because that helped with my own sleep and I was experiencing sleep disruptions. Interesting. I'm going to go, can I go back to that other question? Yes, yes. I think that Dr. Rachel Rubin, you should have on the show about that, uh, GSM. She is incredible. She's okay. a doctor at Washington, D.C. Nice. I'm looking her up right after we get off. All right. Favorite menopause product? Mm. So I have to say that I'm not a huge fan of menopause products. Okay. That's honest. <laughs> that, we like honest um, answers. Um, because I think that I, I worry that people are using products instead of sort of getting some of the... Getting to the root of the symptoms. All right. So maybe your favorite menopause um, recommendation would be to work with a doctor that is going to help you with science-backed um, solutions to your problems. Yes. Does that work? All right. Yes. Evidence-based. Yep. Mm -hmm. Evidence-based. We like that. Okay. How about your own favorite personal stress-busting technique? Ooh. Um, Pilates. Nice. All right. Mental health is key, and Let's Talk Menopause focuses on that. What's an activity that always boosts your mood? Gratefulness exercise. I never used to believe in it, and now I do. So if you just do, like, what you're grateful for, like, say you're in a bad mood, and you just say, like, okay, what am I grateful for? It actually sends, like, good endorphins to your brain, and you feel better. I practice this myself. I picked it up during the pandemic. Dr. Anita Sadati, who's been a guest on the show twice, recommended mm -hmm. a gratitude practice. And every single day before my feet touch the floor, before I get out of bed, I think yeah. of three things that I'm grateful for. And I will say, usually it's that my husband's gotten up before me and has made the coffee. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't right. matter what it is, though. Exactly. Just being grateful. And again, I never used to believe this. And then now I do. It I love really it. does I love it and I do it myself. Okay, finally, your one word answer to complete the sentence, as I age, I feel. It has to be two words. Okay. That Generally works. great. Generally great. All right. Again, an honest answer. We are here for it. Uh, I say generally. Can I say why I say generally? Yeah, please. Because nobody's feel, no one feels great all the time. And when you say generally, it's sort of like, you know, just like, Generally, like yeah. not always, but like it's well, yeah. mostly good. Things are, mostly you know, good. we we all have we all have those days, but it's mostly good, and that's at the, that's a great place to be. Uh, thank you, Donna. This was terrific. It was educational. It was informative. I'm really excited to bring Let's Talk Menopause to our listeners. Before we say goodbye, how can um, a certain age listeners find out more about you and your work? They can visit our website at letstalkmenopause.org. They can follow us on Facebook and Instagram, and our handle is at Let's Talk Menopause. And on Twitter, we're at LT Menopause. And if people want to email us, they can email us at hello at letstalkmenopause.org. Fantastic. This wraps A Certain Age, a show for women who are aging without apology. A quick favor before we end the show. If you enjoy A Certain Age, if you've learned something new or simply love tuning in every week, please take time to write a review over on Apple Podcasts. Doing so is so easy. Just grab your phone, open the podcast app, find A Certain Age, and scroll all the way down to the end. And be sure to join me next week for a fun one. I'll be sitting down with cookbook author Melina Hammer to talk cozy fall meals and recipes for a nourished life. Special thanks to Michael Mancini, who composed and produced our theme music. See you next time. And until then, age boldly, beauties. Beauties.